Father, we know ultimately that no one can resist your will. But Lord, we know at the same time our prayer is that you would have your way in our lives, in our ministry. And thus we would beseech you this evening to come and to aid us, both speaker and listener, that your will will be done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are still studying the book of Jonah. As we come back to the book of Jonah this evening, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 9, where we read, And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. This evening I want to consider when conduct corrode confession, when one's conduct corrode their confession. Message number three, Jonah chapter one. Uh, what, I, what I read to you was a confession that Jonah made when he was asked to declare his hand. You know the story. His confession didn't correspond with his actions, if you know the story. And sometimes actions can erode the Christian's testimony, especially among unbelievers in the church. Remember, Jonah was on the ship. And we, you know, I've heard this before. But what can we learn in, in Jonah? It's our third lesson from the book, which seems to be more practical in its lessons than theological. And we can learn practical things from the book of Jonah. Jonah has a reputation of being called the disobedient prophet. I often say, if we call Jonah the disobedient prophet, what will we call ourselves? Um, I think it is a bad rap given to Jonah and the Lord Jesus did not respond it and, 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 and remember Jonah in this light. When he spoke of him, when he cited him, he spoke very well of him, uh, which tells me that Jonah could have been a believer, but this is not my field this evening. Jonah serves up a warning to me and to you that our words of confession should not contradict our walk. Jonah was walking on dangerous ground until he was checked, he was pulled back by the sovereign hand of God and God used the means of creation to do that. You know, sometimes it's only thus far <clears throat> that God will allow a person to go before he pulls them back if they're Christians. But the Bible also said that the one that is without chastisement is not a son. And that's why Jonah probably was treated so, so, so severely. 
Now, I gave the outline of this entire book last time. I'll give it again. Chapter 1, Jonah procrastinates, detoured from doing the will of God to doing his own will. Uh, he was called to go one place, and he went another. Chapter 2, Jonah prayed. Uh, Jonah prayed because he thought he was going to die, so he prayed. Chapter 3, Jonah preached to the city of Nineveh, the preaching that God had bid him to preach. And it was a message of repentance. Chapter 4, we shared last time, Jonah's misplaced priorities. I don't know if you remember that. What brought pleasure to God did not bring pleasure to Jonah. In fact, he was angry of what was pleasing to God. And this time we go in the reverse. Um, we didn't cover chapter 1. So we would go to chapter 1 this evening and see how Jonah procrastinated under the subheading when conduct corrodes confession. This is what we would look at. The first thing I want to look at is the concessions or some of the concessions Jonah made. And the greatest concession Jonah made was buying a ticket to Tarshish. Jonah 1 verse 3, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, seaport town, an ancient town, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now God made it very easy and he makes it very easy for man to concede to the things of this age. He makes it very easy. The world is before us. The man Jonah made too many concessions. We all know the historical story very well. Jonah was commissioned, but he went in the wrong direction. Took the wrong transport, transportation. Ended up the wrong place. Um, he went into hiding, so to speak, out of sight, out of mind. If you can't see me, you can't ask me anything. You know, some people are like that. Once I'm out of sight, I'm out of mind. But spiritually speaking, the Christian isn't called to sleep. We're called to be alert, to be ready, to serve. And there's too much at stake today for us to be sleeping as as believers. In fact, if we are sleeping in this ministry, you know, we may be the wrong place. So Jonah can serve us a lesson. There was another man in the scripture that we read about that made too many concessions. And the last one, he lost his eyesight. So let me ask you, do you make concessions with this world? 
do you make concessions to the unsaved of this world? Whether family, whether four, uh, I find that um, sometimes we are too casual, too casual in this pulpit. Too casual with the principles of reformation. <laughs> too casual. Too casual with the weak, unconverted people in this church. A little too casual. The Bible says that our speech should be one of grace seasoned with salt. This pulpit is no place to be casual. It's serious. To make concessions. Second, Jonah was called out by the heathen. And it's a terrible thing when you're called out by the heathen. Verses 6 through 8. Were you ever called out by someone? Especially someone on the other side? Jonah is coerced to declare his allegiance. You remember Abraham was called out by Pharaoh. He said Sarah was his sister. Now this was partially true. She was. But Abraham was seeking to deceive the Egyptians. And sometimes we can use the truth in that manner. Pharaoh said to him, what hast thou done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Now take your wife and go. He was called out. But if you read the story carefully, Abraham never argued. He never said a word. He just put his tail between his legs and went back to his altar. And some of us would have raised an argument. But Jonah was called out. Tell us, we pray you, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is your occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? Of what people art thou? So Jonah was forced to declare his hand. It's unfortunate when people in the world force us to declare our hand. Uh, there's one of two things wrong. We are either ashamed of the gospel or we are not bearing a good testimony. It's obvious that the light has gone dim. When the Jews were carried into, I remember this very, very vividly. When the Jews were carried into the heathen land, one of the accusations in the book of Esther, chapter 3, verse 8, was Haman. The Jews' enemy said to the king, Xerxes, there is a certain people that are scattered abroad that is in your province. They disperse among the people in all the provinces, and their laws are diverse, different from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws, therefore it is not profitable for the king to have them. This was the accusation of God's people. This is correct. It was contrary, but it was correct. 
And you know the story with Haman. Um, he wanted to annihilate the Jews. And throughout history, people wanted to annihilate the Jews. But it is not the Jews today people want to annihilate. It's me and you. The testimony for Christ. But we should never let the heathen force us to declare our hand. If, if we do, it means that we are not standing on God's word. And at times, Christians doesn't have to say a word before they are branded odd. So Jonah made too many concessions after he was commissioned. He was confronted by the heathen or... He was called out by the heathen on the ship um, to identify himself. But we want to look lastly at Jonah's confession. This is what we're looking at tonight, his confession. Verse 9, when he was asked, he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which have made the sea and the dry land. Now this is a confession. But when you when you realistic realistically look at this confession, it doesn't really make sense. It is ambiguous. Hebrews were God's covenant people. They were to be separated or a separated people. But Jonah found himself among the Assyrian seamen on the sea. It's point number one. Second, Hebrews were supposed to fear the God of Abraham. As a matter of fact, Abraham was the first Hebrew. Um, there's a difference between a Hebrew, an Israelite, and a Jew. I hope you know the difference. But Jonah is being disobedient to the God he says he fears. He did not follow God's instructions. That's why the confession doesn't make sense. Third, Jonah was supposed to preach. But Jonah was quiet. He was sleeping. He was called to preach. Fourth, Jonah believed that God made the sea under dry land, but the sea is in turmoil, and Jonah is sleeping while he should be praying to the God who made the sea. The mariners didn't know that. They didn't have that truth, but Jonah had it. And one would think that Jonah would have been pleading on behalf of those who were perishing, but he was going down with them. So there are a lot of practical lessons in the book of Jonah, more so than theological lessons. And sometimes it is, it is necessary to bring out the practical side of a story. Uh, one thing you can learn from Jonah is it is not the knowledge in our head that will bring 
conversion to the lost sinner in this church. It's not how much we know that will bring conversion to the sinner in the pew. Jonah was doctrinally sound, but practically he was shady. Knowledge is okay. Knowledge is necessary, but knowledge is not all. I think it is more or less the testimony we bear that is effective. Someone said, um, a holy life is a powerful weapon in God's hands. A holy life is a powerful weapon in the hand of God. Not, not a big head, a holy life. <clears throat> we are seeking in our church, brethren, to reach our people with the gospel and some long-standing people too. And I'm aware that many of them have not been reached with the gospel. And let it not be said that you and I here, especially those who come here to teach, to set an example, let it not say that we are the ones that are hindering them from being reached. Let us live by example. Many people here, and many of us who handle the word of God are quick to punks on the sovereignty of God in, in, um, in salvation. God is sovereign. God have to open our eyes and our understanding and our hearts. We need to stop saying that. We take comfort in the fact that God must save a lost person in the church or out of the church. That is true. But we forget that we are responsible. God use people who are responsible. The Apostle Paul said, he became all things to all men that he may save some. And here's a man that teach the sovereignty of God. Romans chapter 9. The same man who taught on the sovereignty of God taught on the responsibility of those who share in the gospel. I become all things to all men that I might save some. If someone didn't tell me about Trinity Conference, I would not have attended. You would not have been attended. You would not hear men from Trinity coming here to help our church. We expose you to these men because we want you to have a broader spectrum of reformation so that you will see that we are not alone 
in seeking to honor God. Some want to tell you about the Lord Jesus too. And you and I benefit from the sacrifices of others. God works through the faithfulness of his people. We see each other, you and I, two or three hours a week. The other gazillion hours, Charlie, who knows what we're doing? Who knows? So you should pay attention to what I'm saying tonight from Jonah in this practical lesson. Paul said of the Thessalonians that they became followers of us and the Lord. They saw how the Lord's servants behave and too much is that too much is at stake in our ministry to make spiritual concessions. Too much is at stake. I hope you see what is at stake. And sometimes when behavior doesn't match confession, our witness becomes invalid. The gospel becomes void no power our lives become casual and as i said sometimes we are too casual casual with the word of god no applications from the word of god a lot of information but no application how are people going to be convicted too casual too casual with these doctrines too casual with the weak people in this church. I'm not saying that we should be obnoxious, but have you ever asked, did you understand the message that I shared with you? How does this relate to you? No longer standing up for truth. Jonah was not obvious. He was oblivious. And we could be like this. Sleeping. And today the church exists, brethren, in stormy waters. I'm, I'm, I'm talking allegorically. The church exists in stormy waters. And there are people on board the ship that is calling on us to declare our hand. And the, the scripture tells us, let us not sleep as others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for on helmet the hope of salvation. For God have not appointed us to wrath. But to mm -hmm. obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. I just read. 
1 Thessalonians 5, verses 6 through 9. So the book of Jonah is more practical than it is theological. And I have shown you some of the concessions that Jonah made. I've shown you how he was called out by the heathen. Who are you? Where are you from? What's your occupation? But I show you how Jonah's confession did not match his conduct. He was running away from God. Going the other direction. He was sleeping while the ship was in turmoil. Look at this ship carefully. You hear me say all the time, I'm looking, I'm watching. I'm watching. Don't be a Jonah. Uh, the book of Jonah. teaches us two basic lessons, two main things. One, what we are like without Christ, we would perish. In the bottom of the sea. That's what it's showing us, and not for God's mercy, and not for God's grace, and not for God's love, we will all perish. It's showing us what we are like God, God used Jonah to show me and you what we are like. But the book of Jonah also show us what the Lord Jesus is like. What is his interest? What is his interest should be our interest. You know what was his interest? His interest was the salvation of the people of Nineveh. This should be our interest. We are called not to be like Jonah. We're called to be like Christ. And this is all I want to say tonight. We're not called to be like the world. We're called to be like our Savior. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord, be are very much aware of what is going on around us and we have come to an appropriate message whereby we can look at ourselves, we can look at our church, we can look at the contributions we are making to the church and we can ask for your help and thus we beg that you help us in the name of Jesus. Amen.